0: for a while. It was like really prominent in the first few episodes and then he quit for a long time. But Jax's dinner habits have made a reappearance. My wine is constantly clinking in every episode too. Ah,
1: God. Alright, here we go. (laughs) Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting our weekly edition of Mistakes Were Made. No... No, welcome to the Nightmare Box presenting... I am never going to get the fucking title succession right for these fucking... I'm going to like
0: pre-record it and just have like a, a auto-recording of you. <laughs> yeah.
1: This is the Nightmare Box presenting Mistakes Were Made. And we are here today on this glorious, glorious Sunday as my dog eats his fucking food in the middle.
0: <laughs> Son of a bitch! I kept thinking it was Sunday all day today too. You tricked me. I'm sorry. Tricked
1: my brain. I have no idea what's going on. I haven't even started drinking yet. My brain is frazzled.
0: Welcome well, to Two Star Tuesday, which we film yeah. on Wednesdays.
1: Yeah, we do. We film them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Here, record with our audio <laughs> medium. <laughs> Whatever.
1: This is a field mine of shit. <laughs> God damn it. Um we are here today to discuss the film Mara, the two thousand and eight Mara, because as 18. I was I've got two thousand and eight. You had two thousand and eighteen. I, I think you're right because you said it was recent. Yeah. Do you want to just take over? I'm gonna sit over here and <laughs> take my <hand. laughs> over myself for a second. I've been editing
0: for like <laughs> yeah, two you hours just got done working and got to relax <sighs> for all of ten minutes Fuck before. Was...
1: Alright, go ahead. <laughs>
0: No, you're good. Uh, Yeah, so we're doing Mara, which came out in 2018. The IMDb score is 5.1, and the Rotten Tomatoes score for the critics was 23%, but it did not have an audience score.
1: Probably because we're the only two people who sat down and watched this hunk of (laughs) shit, which we were excited about, because I re-listened to the one that we just released yesterday um, on Stitches. And we were talking about this one at the beginning of The Stitches. Talked about how we were going to do it for this week's show. Mm-hmm. And the trailer was the best part of this movie. It was all the good parts. Yeah. Every single good part.
0: Like I felt, <laughs> which I think I said that, we took a break uh, 11 minutes
1: into the film. <laughs> it's like, I need a cigarette.
0: This <laughs> I think I said that movie. while we were on the break. I was like, I feel deceived. The trailer was really interesting yeah. and the movie is really not.
1: I have never walked...
0: Really wants Are you to done,
1: dude? You want a burp? You want a chair? <laughs> we, you know, you give you a computer, you can be my fucking producer. Pull that out, <laughs> this movie was legitimately—I've never walked out of a movie in the movie theater in my life. Like, I'm like, if I'm gonna pay to be here and just sit and watch that fucking thing, if I had the paid money to see this in the movie theater, I would have shot myself in the parking lot at the 11-minute point. I've we been paused been in a, so many times.
0: A couple of times. Like, normally we kind of just
1: conveniently
0: pause around the half hour mark. Like, it always seems to kind of land that way, because you get kind of the introduction of the film out of the way. We paused at the 11 minute mark. We paused again at like the 40 something minute mark and then paused again at like the 50 something minute mark. And in that 10 minute span, I thought we had watched another 30 minutes. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, it's only been 10 minutes we since the convinced. last time. We
1: came in at one point and you just looked at it and you're like, holy fuck, there's 45 <laughs> minutes left.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was like, because we, we were outside for a good while. How is
1: this still going? Like,
0: taking a break from this because it was like, we're surely near the end. We came back and still had. 40-something well, minutes left. I was like, there's no fucking way.
1: It was, um,
0: it was a problem, like, but we'll get into it. It felt like a three-hour film. We've
1: got things that we feel like we can talk about so that we're not just sitting here shitting on it the entire time, but we're probably just going to wind up sitting here shitting on it the entire time. Do you
0: have uh, the budget and production company? Yeah,
1: the production company is Moon River Studios, and they were in conjunction with the hilariously named
0: uh, a brighter headache production. This was not sadly. a brighter
1: headache. This is in the way of stitches and fantastic films. This, <laughs> this was Nate, just a headache. Fuck off with your optimistic titles to your companies. Okay. <laughs> the nightmare box will succeed because it is a negative title. <laughs> 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 Mistakes were made. Is going to succeed <laughs> because it is a negative title. <laughs> we didn't call ourselves Suck My Dick Industries. <laughs> SMD for short. I'm willing to pitch it if anybody wants
0: to. <laughs>
1: take suck my dick industries.
0: What was the budget?
1: $5 million. There was no gross outside of the entire film. It was disgusting and annoying.
0: <laughs> I, I think it's funny that... Um,
1: it was filmed. Oh, yeah. No, sorry.
0: Um speaking of the budget they dumped a fair amount of money into this like they went in with the anticipation that it would be like the next insidious series and it's
1: <gasps> like no nah, man it's gonna go great
0: it did not work <laughs> out that way no it
1: was not fantastic it was not a bright headache <laughs>
0: it's just a headache it was a
1: migraine from hell <laughs>
0: Where was it filmed? Sorry, you started to say that a second ago.
1: This is an English film, right? Is yeah. that what we established? Uh,
0: the IMDb said it originated in the UK. The Wikipedia just said the US. But yeah. Like...
1: So the main actress is Ukrainian, which we'll get to. Um, it first premiered in Russia. It's filled with English actors, and it was filmed in Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> which
0: is... Bizarre. Made
1: to look, I believe, like San Francisco. Though we're never told where the fuck this movie yeah, is taking place. Yeah, like
0: from the... At one point
1: they drive across the Bay Bridge, and that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, from the establishing like city shots. I don't know if it ever says where it's located, but I did not look at that and go, that's Georgia. No. Like at no point, and I I have been to Georgia, I have worked on films in Georgia, yep. this did not look like it was yep. filmed you in Georgia. You bought some
1: stock film from California, yeah. you were like, we're in San Francisco, and it's like, you're definitely not in San Francisco, no. you are in Georgia. Georgia, Georgia. <laughs> I don't know who did that originally, but I know that Ludacris sampled it for a song. Back in the early <laughs> I would rather talk about Ludacris. Ludacris's more unknown work
0: <laughs> than this Ludacris
1: Discuss film. Mara. I want. I want to go back to 2005. Walk with me back to 2005. Move, <laughs> bitch. Get out the way. <laughs> That Mara cunt. You, get it?
0: <laughs> you want to talk about the characters?
1: I don't. I don't want to talk about. <laughs> we this have to. Doing.
0: It's two star Tuesday. Okay, I'm. I'm.
1: I'm trying. I'm. I'm. I'm still agitated with my contractee, and it's. <laughs> okay. Characters. We have Kate, uh, and she is the, the only actress. notable one. Uh, She is a Ukrainian actress by the name of Olga Kuryalenko, I think is how you would pronounce that. And um, if you're sitting there staring going, I know her from somewhere, but I can't quite place it like I did for the entire fucking film. uh, She was the Bond girl from Quantum of Solace, which was a much better film. (laughs) That That was a much better movie. So they flew out a Bond girl to Savannah, Georgia, to participate in what I can only describe as a
0: a train
1: (laughs) train wreck directly through the gates of hell. Uh, you got Dougie, who is, as I'll get to in the good, my favorite character in this fucking movie.
0: English actor. He
1: is an English actor, playing an Irishman, right?
0: I I mean, I don't know. I thought he sounded Irish, but I don't think they ever, at any point, established where any of these characters were from, which is interesting. Like...
1: I thought he was trying to be Irish.
0: I don't know that they ever say anything about any of the accents, because that was one thing. We'll, we'll get into that, that later.
1: Um, then do we really need the other ones? Because none of these are like names that we can Um. Uh,
0: Mara. We'll, yeah, I was going to say, we'll talk about the characters as we talk about the film, but Mara I did think was interesting. Yeah,
1: you found this whole thing yeah. up. You got the name written down?
0: Uh, it was Javier or something. Um, so, Mara is a, a female goal character, mm-hmm. if you can't tell by the name Mara. She was played by a gentleman named Javier Botet. Botet? Mm-hmm. Um Who, um, looking at him, I would not have recognized him because we checked out his mm-hmm. IMDb. And he has made a career of playing goals in. Yeah like a lot of
1: he was in insidious yeah right?
0: i think so and he he was in like game of thrones like all this stuff he's made a career of just playing these ghoul cool characters yeah, like
1: out of focus way too skinny like yeah lanky. like
0: really he played slender man and slender yeah. man like these tall lanky like creepy characters Kinda like so. the actor
1: uh, who played tiny like all he did were roles like that because he was like six he suffered from gardantulism so yeah. he was all fucked up
0: well, so that's, that's crazy. Rest
1: in peace to that guy, and I can't wait to three from hell. Cheers to Rob Zombie <laughs> and that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Devil's Rejects. fuckloads better than Mara. <laughs> that's rated up.
0: Huh? I said I'd be curious to know what that's rated up. The,
1: the Rejects? Mm-hmm. We'll have to look that up. I, I, I refuse to do it as a two-star because I refuse to throw it in the mix with Mara.
0: <laughs> I, don't I mean, it's probably not rated that low. I'm just kind of unless curious. you want to
1: hear me talk for three hours about how much I love the Devil's Rejects and how it, you know, doesn't line up continuity-wise with the first movie, and then <laughs> they all got killed at the end. Now they're all and back. now they're back alive, and they're going to court, and it's. <laughs> Devil's Rejects is awesome. I have doubts about like m- most of Rob Zombie's career. Like, uh, <laughs> music is enjoyable. The first Halloween remake is really fucking good. Devil's Rejects is awesome. Uh, kill yourself on almost everything else. House of a Thousand Corpses. I'll, I'll like if I've had a few. <laughs> I like House of a Thousand Corpses just because you get to see Dwight turn into a mermaid. And, <laughs> and that's about it. But... Back tomorrow. Okay.
0: Uh, synopsis?
1: Okay. All you. Are we at All that you? point I where thought, we're ready to talk about I didn't write one it? down, so... Yeah, oh, after? we never write
0: it down. Um, so, it's basically about this character who we find out later in the film um, kind of experienced this traumatic event where her mom was committed to a mental, mental, mental <laughs> institution, <laughs> and so she went on to be a psychologist to kind of, I guess, appease mm-hmm. like that. Oh, my God, I cannot talk We are today. starting
1: a book of um, <laughs> Christianisms, uh, field mine. What did you say to me earlier? Like I'm, not you, you got, <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: not repeating it. I'm not repeating
1: it. But anyways, You, you, so you can should either go, hold your cards or throw punches or some no, shit like that.
0: Like you, no, you that's not what I said. You got
1: to take your swing or hold your cards. And it's like, that's not how the. No in to the hold them. No way to hold them. Oh, I'm I'm yeah, um, gonna punch that
0: guy. Just a mushmouth today. <laughs> okay, so she Me goes too. on. I fucked
1: up the whole so <laughs> Don't feel bad. <laughs>
0: um, so she goes on to be a psychologist, and then she meets um, this little girl named Sophie, who her mother Helena may or may not have killed her husband slash Sophie's father, and um,
1: hope doesn't deserve a name.
0: Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> Kate essentially has Helena committed because she thinks Helena has lost her mind and killed her husband. And then we deep dive into what's really going on, and Mara is a demon killing people during their deep sleep state when they experience sleep paralysis. Yeah. So,
1: like, I feel like we bring it up literally every episode. They did that in Nightmare. Um, That was was the whole premise of, like, you are literally taking that idea. We have to drag him into the real world to defeat him because this is the Dream Warriors movie. And it's like, like, you are directly putting yourself up against Wes Craven.
0: Which was? You're not
1: going to do it. Nobody ever remade The Godfather.
0: You can't do that shit.
1: Nobody no, if they do, I will bomb the movie theater. I don't know. <laughs> <really. laughs> I will wage war on Hollywood if they ever touch that fucking movie.
0: Which we'll get into that when we talk about the bad, but it did weirdly feel like this movie was sampling from several completely unrelated things, and Nightmare on Elm was like the heaviest one. Yeah. But yeah, like, it did not feel like a very original concept, and the film itself came from folklore. So.
1: Yeah. A folklore that is. Very loosely established. We'll get to it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll Starting
0: with the goods, <laughs> per our
1: usual. Okay, you go first.
0: Um, I thought that they had a lot of like cool props, like the. You're okay.
1: Yeah, I'm old. I'm 28. but <laughs> pop, pop, trying to move my arm. <laughs>
0: um, they had like a lot of like really cool, like twisted up, deformed, dead bodies in the film, and um, which Takashi who is never actually in the film at all, has the coolest decaying, twisted up, deformed, dead body of yeah. them all. But um,
1: yeah, like it's the- It's not of the 6 9 variety. <laughs> not that purple haired fruit who <laughs> went to jail for being uh... a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the-, the It the, was the... probably born around oh, the Oh my gosh. Time ludicrous was making it big with me bitch get out of the way <laughs> are you okay? I don't want to talk about but this you've got to focus, I know I'm you've got to focus.
0: Uh, but yeah they, they had a lot of really cool like prop dead bodies that actually yeah. looked like convincingly like a dead person twisted up and deformed so that's mine
1: no that's a, that, that's a good thing um, to, as we were just saying like a lot of the stuff here feels borrowed and I don't want to take away your good, but that felt like a callback to The Exorcist, you mm-hmm. know, like the walking downstairs, spider crawl, like the bent, twist contorted. The head the That's true. The Exorcist, a better movie than Mara. I'm sorry. Okay, my good <laughs> is uh, Doug who is played by Craig Conway, and I only wrote his name down. He hasn't been in anything that you know I'd ever seen before, but I, I figured if I was gonna give him this attribute in my goods, um, I'd at least put his name there. Um, so Craig Conway gave the best performance, in my opinion, of the entire film. There's real desperation in both the character and the character's performance, like the way that his house is set up, the rage that's in the 12-step scene, like, there, the there's more the depth.
0: freak-out moment when he's like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. Yeah, like,
1: when he's, he's losing it, yeah. he's, he tries to cut his fucking eyelid off. Yeah, like, he, he sold that really well. Like, no, it, 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 hands down... Big claps for Craig <laughs> Conway. I, I I was really impressed, and I'd like to see him play a similar role in a better movie like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Crazed, sleep deprived, drug addled, like
0: obsessed,
1: obsessed, <laughs> like that. That guy, and this is gonna sound weird, um, given our current cultural uh, issues with the man. Gave almost a Kevin Spacey-esque performance.
0: Ooh, that's a bold statement, because I'm not saying it's
1: Kevin Spacey, I'm just saying that, like, that...
0: Or a beautiful mind. That, like, um, person
1: who doesn't look frightening, but is the scariest son of a bitch in the movie. <laughs> what
0: is that actor's name? It's Russell something. Brand? No, that's the comedian. Crow? Yeah, Russell Crowe. Okay. Beautiful mind, like, the same Oh, I didn't catch neurotic. the name of the
1: movie. Can you move closer?
0: Sorry, am I too quiet? Yeah. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, That's I didn't think of that. That's a good comparison,
1: I guess. Verizon <laughs> <laughs> You really hated
0: this movie, didn't you? Can you hear
1: me now? <laughs> like... Verizon, also around back in 2005 when Ludacris was telling bitches <laughs> to get out of the way. And I think Mara can get out of the way. <gasps> Boo, bitch. <laughs>
0: We gotta make it through the it's goods. down the
1: highway, get the hell out
0: of my We gotta make it through the goods. You have got to focus. You can rant away when we get to the I feel next. like I'm
1: stuck in a psychology class. Oh, my
0: goodness. <laughs> so, um, Kate, not... She was a little hit and miss. Not the greatest performance on Earth, but she had her moments. And, like, when she would do the scenes where she was um, experiencing yeah. sleep paralysis, like, it was honestly pretty believable like mm. she looked really stiff and like it almost looked like something was pressing her down so like she sold
1: those very
0: well. well i mean but, but there was like a because you know you could easily just be like oh i'm gonna like this and yeah, it was like she, she
1: looked would... like her muscles were clenched, yeah like and like she could only
0: or... move her eyes and just yeah. a little bit like it the felt believably like she was trapped in panic. Yeah, it was all the
1: other parts where she was moving about and speaking to people, where it's like, when? Now we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah. We'll get to it. <laughs> I liked this is fun. It's positive. <laughs> I'm so pissed off at this movie right now. It's, a, it's vicariously pissed off, because I'm more pissed off at this person. Yeah, like I was, was like,
0: like I, don't, I don't think you're actually that mad about the film. No,
1: I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm, Breathe, breathe, breathe. It's all gonna be okay. Your career's not falling down the dumpster because there's a strong possibility you're working for a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> One of these days, it's all gonna pay off.
0: Hey, we're halfway to a thousand. We're.
1: <sighs> I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not having an actual panic attack. I'm just trying to gear. The, if, Gear I, down. if I blow myself out before we get to the bads, it's not going to be a good move. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm back. But, Julie... You... <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you. I love you. And I love you love guys. You. And that was... Tuesday. Fuck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Signing <laughs> off.
1: <laughs> the initial murder of the husband. Mm-hmm. Like, that that opening uh, scene where she's walking down the hallway. Sophie's walking down the hallway. Helena comes running out of the bedroom and stuff. Uh, The initial murder of the husband um, gave me a paralyzed, like, hopeless moment, which I felt tied right back into the film. Because, like, you're in the eyes of this little girl in this really wide hallway. They had that fisheye lens, I believe, Mm. for that scene. And... It's paralyzing for Sophie and Helena, both as characters, on top of being paralyzing as an audience member in that individual scene. And though, like the who-done-it part, was undersold hardcore, um, I, I I really enjoyed, like maybe that five minutes, uh, where she wakes up and walks down the hallway mm-hmm. to. Uh, the part where the where kate crawls underneath the bed like right until they completely blow their load and fuck that up like, yeah yeah it was really pretty um
0: it was an interesting way to go about that too because in the description of the film like yeah. the netflix description it mentions that it's about you know sleep paralysis yeah. and a psychologist like deep diving into that and then finding something you know she doesn't want to find so like when they showed the little girl, like, I immediately assumed that was Kate, like, mm-hmm. previously. So I thought we were gonna flash forward to Kate as an adult. And, um, you could hear as Kate, or as sorry, Sophie is, like, walking down the hall, like, the mom, like, kind of being like, get off me, or get away, or whatever. I can't remember exactly what she's saying, but she sounds like she's struggling with something. So or she's I, defending herself. Yeah, like, I assumed she was gonna walk into the room and, like, see her own mother, like, Experiencing like sleep paralysis or being attacked by the demon or whatever, or and being like attacked by
1: the husband and killing
0: him, yeah, or something. And like that kind of threw me off because they flash forward, and I had, like immediately assume because the next thing we see after that scene is Kate in her bed. So I was like, Oh, this was definitely childhood. And then she goes to see this family, and I was like, Oh, like that's an unusual way to yeah. go about that. Like it felt like a flashback, mm-hmm. so. Not the, that that's necessarily yeah. negative, like, they threw me off, like, the trail for a second there, because I was confused, in but... And
1: to compare it to The Exorcist, yet again, we talked about at the fancy diner this morning. <laughs> what did, what was the title we came up with for the diner? Uh, well, The Mat. Maybe, I mean, the actual thing that it's it was It's called named. The Mat. The Mat. <laughs> when we were hanging out in the luxurious Maté <laughs> earlier this afternoon, um, or this morning, not Oops. earlier this afternoon... Um, we discussed how like in The Exorcist uh, that is played correctly Mm -hmm. right? Because she is immediately under suspicion for the death of the priest who gets thrown from the window and rolls down the steps and that's what kicks off the whole event. Is she crazy? Is she possessed? And they run you through the cat scans and the movie's so old now that everybody knows where it eventually leads to but if you're watching that with you know, innocent eyes. Um, it does call into question the sanity of the mother and the child for a brief moment before it's revealed that she is possessed by the devil. Yeah. This movie made absolutely no attempt. Like, it, they shouldn't have given it away until they killed the mother. Like, that should have been the moment where we're like, we for sure know that she didn't kill the husband, that this demon is running around in this house. Um,
0: and the fact that they have the little girl be the one who's like, it was Mara. Like, the little girl didn't yeah. see it. She came into the room after dad was already dead. Well, the little
1: girl is now seeing Mara.
0: They don't. They don't really establish that until way later in the film, though, so... It feels weird to have her be the one to put that information out yeah. there.
1: We're still in the goods. I'm, not mm-hmm. of, I'm, 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 I'm holding on to my body for the audience. to, Did you know, we just Oh, the AC cut off? Okay.
0: Yeah, I was There's like, wow, why did it just suddenly shift?
1: Got a lot clearer.
0: We don't normally have the air on. We normally just have the windows open, so that was <laughs> weird.
1: Oh, <laughs> um, that's quiet now.
0: Yeah. That's bizarre. I'm not used to that. I was wondering what that hum was in my ears this whole time because we we never have the air on.
1: We are bad at this. (laughs) (laughs) Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. I am I am currently holding on to my body uh, so I don't erupt and start throwing glasses. Um, So you're good.
0: Um, I thought like one of the because there's stages to Mara leading up to your death and like. one of the final stages is that you get like this really bloodshot eye look going on. And like, mm-hmm. I thought that they did a really good job on that. Like it didn't look like a cheesy effect that they had done, which I'm sure that was done in post, but yeah. it looked believably like they had these bloodshot eyes. So and it, it lines cool. up
1: perfectly with their growing insanity. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes Mara you look late, way more deranged. So yeah, <laughs> your eyes are going to be redder because you haven't slept in three days. and They're exaggeratedly red because of Mara you know, but it's, it is an effective mark, you Mm -hmm. know, they couldn't leave like a handprint on the wrist or something like that. Like they go to the doctor and they're like, do you see the spot on my eye? And it's like, yeah, it's because you haven't slept in three days. You're blowing your blood vessels. (laughs) Go the fuck to sleep.
0: <laughs> that's a book yeah. you can find that book <laughs> Yeah, you can listen to Samuel, Samuel Jackson narrate yeah. it
1: <laughs> Samuel Jackson much better actor uh, he's been in films such as Pulp Fiction <laughs> he was in Snakes on a Plane <laughs> <laughs> which is probably still better than this <laughs> still better than this movie Black Snake Moan um uh, that was actually my next good. Uh, st- the Stages of Mara's Approach. That was my good. And you have the Stages. I do
0: have the Stages. Uh, do you want to explain why you liked them first, though?
1: Well, I like the Stages, and it's going to bleed into my next good, so I'll just go ahead and do those back-to-back. Um, is I liked the use of a support group, which I've been to. Those type of meetings before, not for sleep paralysis, but for you know like substance abuse. <laughs> um, they they use the support group, which has a step program. Typically, like yeah. this one might not because it's a medical condition as opposed to you know like a, like a literal medical condition as opposed to a NA or an AA, which would be uh, quote medical condition, but. audience is out on. Um, The use of a support group gives you that opportunity. Um, The idea the steps contrasts Mara's, uh, what would you call that? Stages. Yeah. Mara's stages and both of those concepts tie to a disease like Mm -hmm. cancer that would take you down. Like you are stage one cancer you're gonna be okay. This is fixable. You get to stage four, and it's like so long, à la vie. You know, yeah.
0: which is ironic because stage one was—they um, mentioned that in the film. A lot of people experience stage one, but not everybody moves into stage two. So yeah, that is yeah. kind of ironic. Like you can be cured from stage one,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but beyond that, you're in trouble. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and the only issue that I have with the stage system and the step system and the meeting itself is going to be brought up in my second bad, which is that fucking lab coat, <laughs> who holds a intricate or not an intricate and uh, intimate uh, meeting with people who need help and still wears a doctor's jacket. Where's your cool sweater at? Bro. He wears a lab coat, like, the whole damn thing. No, no, he, he wears a lab coat, apparently, whenever they decide to cut to him in a lab coat, but we'll get to that. <laughs> At one point, he's running down the hallway in lab coat. <laughs> and I was just sitting there like, did they just completely not realize? But we'll get to that, because we can have a whole conversation about <laughs> continuity in film.
0: Ask, Do you want to hear the stages? Yeah. So uh, stage one is you are uh, asleep and you experience sleep paralysis and you see Mara. and um, they say in the film, again, a lot of people experience this first stage, but not everybody moves on into stage two.
1: You know what stage one cancer is like off the top of your head. No. Oh, okay. Mm-mm. I didn't know if, like your medical <laughs> training. Is- <laughs> I'd have to look it up. I just know that it's like, hey, this is a problem. This is more of a problem. This is a big problem, and you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, stage... You've got cancer. I'm 100 percent with you. I smoke a whole bunch of cigarettes. I'll probably be hanging out with you. soon Aww, but...
0: don't say that. Uh, stage
1: two is no, Mara don't give, marks you. Don't give so that's support to cancer.
0: No, no, I don't want you to say that you're gonna have
1: cancer. I don't, Focus. Focus. not want it either. But I also don't want to alienate our cancer driven audience.
0: Focus. <laughs> uh, stage two is she marks you and that's when you get the little red dot on your eye. Oh, uh I'm surrounded by
1: our own
0: personal <sighs> cancers. Go ahead. No. Can I we will get I'm to a the some cancer negative. on
1: this episode? That's what I have. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I'm
1: getting malignant
0: <laughs> why as Why are you it? trying to sabotage this? <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> stage through through. through? See stage <laughs> you're flustering me. No, it's you. Stay, you're you're looking at me questioningly. <laughs> Stage three is physical contact. Mara appears and places her hands around your neck and chokes you, which is yeah. when you get the burst blood the vessels in the eye. Final sex
1: game that Mara has decided to play for yeah. the rest just of the time. Tease you a little bit, and yeah. then you get the grand finale yeah, later. Just till you get hard, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Stage four is when you see Mara. While you're awake, and if you fall asleep after that, you're dead.
1: I much preferred the Wes Craven approach, which is uh, if you fall asleep, you're dead.
0: (laughs) Uh, Mara specifically, which they, they mentioned that. Forty
1: minutes out of this movie, if they would have just gone with that approach. <laughs> well,
0: Mara specifically, which they mentioned that, in the film only shows up when you enter deep sleep, which does yeah, kind of right. mirror sleep paralysis because you don't really experience that until you're in yeah, REM sleep. So, if you only sleep for just a little bitty bit, you're okay.
1: <laughs> the solution to this? How would you escape? And I'll tell you how I would escape.
0: A bullet to the brain?
1: You'd shoot yourself.
0: I mean I'm not gonna be taken down by a demon.
1: Recent studies have shown that marijuana prevents you from ever hitting REM sleep. I would set an alarm every four hours and stay asleep high as shit. (laughs) Wake
0: and bake all day,
1: every day. Every day. I would be the highest person since Willie Nelson. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I would keep like one I've of never those double-sized w- bongs. Do what? I said
0: I've never heard that before. That's interesting. The Willie
1: Nelson's is No, that
0: it keeps you from entering deep yeah, sleep.
1: It's, it stops you from entering REM, which my pseudoscience is um, why it works with I feel PTSD like... patients. Because it stops you from reaching that level of dream. But so you REM just sleep. get the sleep.
0: REM sleep is when your brain kind of repairs itself though so that's
1: one of the interesting things about it is they're rethinking REM based on these studies Hmm. because the brains are still repairing themselves because they're not stressed out Hmm. so that's interesting I don't know anything about it. I'm got uh, yeah, a fucking BA in English, so I'm not a scientist. So if you're a B.S., so I am. Yeah, if you are a sleep doctor who was uh, doing marijuana field research, you can come right over and uh, we can do some research together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> go, go ahead. Um, there's a use of colds and warms quite a bit in this film. Like it's done a little excessively at points. Like, like her, the warms
1: are almost excessive.
0: Yeah, worms. like, her apartment is insanely orange Like, for she's living
1: inside of a street light
0: yeah, <laughs> her, her apartment building almost looks like it's part of this old industrial building. Like, she's got all these windows, like, lining one side, and, yeah, it looks like there's, like, a weird neon light just shining into yeah. her apartment. So it feels a little weird in those scenes, but, um... Like, oh. she turns
1: on the lamp at one point. The whole apartment is orange from this was street white. lights. And all of her lamps were white. And the clarity of the room got no better. Yeah. So, why do you own lamps? You live across the street from lamps. She
0: also flicked one switch and it turned on three separate lamps, which I was like, what? Like, you go but... at
1: it, son. <laughs> Making some money is a, the world's worst crib. Getting there? Okay. <laughs> but,
0: um,. Yeah, they, the, the colder shots were a little more effective like the very end when she's at the hospital it's a very cold shot and at the beginning whenever um, Sophie. Sophie is going to find her mother if I'm remembering yeah. right it was a colder shot. It's so a cold
1: shot on a fish eye so like she like her perspective on like that center point and then everything else was just kind of really wide.
0: And I think too which I could be remembering wrong um, Kate wakes up At the hospital, and we think it's the next morning, and it's very warm, and then she realizes she's actually asleep, and it just very suddenly shifts to cold, if I remember right, and that was pretty cool. Because it looks, like, warm and sunny and daylight. No, we've all survived this, and then she realizes she's still asleep, and it's like, boom, back to the cold (laughs) hospital, and it's like, fuck, you're about to die.
1: This is gonna be an issue. I mean, it's (laughs) never like, fuck, you're about to die. I think that the first five things that happened in this movie I gave you a three second countdown to where I was like three <laughs> it two, very predictable one, jump scare. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> and my last good is my favorite good, which has to do with setting and maybe you could dive into like the importance of that if you want to. Um, my first one was about Doug, played <laughs> by Craig Conway. My last one is about Doug. His house, the setup of his house with the big kitchen timer looking thing that went off every hour or whatever it was, and uh, the close-up of that rattling generator with that gas can just like being a feather, you know, stuck. Um, I thought that was brilliantly done. I love the Doug character. I wish this whole movie was about Doug. I would like to see nothing more than Doug's side of this whole thing, because that was the only interesting part. But how important, How like, you know, because we watched it, they make his house feel claustrophobic and intentional.
0: Yeah, a lot of the time, with your main characters, the location's just as much as the people become a character in the film, yeah. so... um a lot of the time the environment that the character spends a lot of their time in is very reflective of their actual personality so Doug's walls are lined with like all these photos just pinned on top of each other of all this obsessive research the wall is painted in red paint that says uh don't go to sleep or something like that and then the house looks like this run down like busted ass shack that he's living in it looks like a meth
1: house yeah yeah
0: And I I think, if I'm not mistaken, they implied that his character was, like, a former drug addict Mm -hmm. that was, like, in recovery as well. So, yeah, it very much embodies this frantic, breaking down character just as much as he does. So, yeah, like, if you're... um, gonna show your character in their own home environment like if you have someone that's like really uptight and like everything has to be prim and proper like their house kind of reflects that personality so it it literally embodies who they are as a person
1: so they did do a good
0: job on that
1: and the scenes always like reflect whatever's gonna or they should semi reflect who has the upper hand in any given situation, like there should be the same amount of conflict in a scene as mm-hmm. there is within the character. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, or, and like or the way you go with more violent, more simplistic like Godfather Two when he slaps his wife after she says she's like had the abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happens in an office that looks very quiet and calm and then that <laughs> rage comes out.
0: Yeah. And a lot of the time, the,
1: a lot of his rage comes out in the quiet, simple setting of that twelve-step meeting.
0: Yeah, yeah, he does lose his shit in that. And a lot of the time, the way you shoot that kind of helps um, embody the character's internal mm-hmm. uh, feelings too. Like close, tight-in shots always feel more claustrophobic. Um, like low angles that make, like, look up at the character always make the character like seem more powerful. High shots that look down make the character seem. Like weaker, so there's like a lot of elements depending that go depending on
1: what's going on because you yeah. can do low, like they did at the beginning low, fisheye down a hallway, and so it gives you that perspective you, of a yeah, child. You're like I'm being watched by some entity yeah. that is looking for me, like yeah. it gives you like a par- paranoid feeling.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: So that's the end of my good list. Um, I only have like to expand on
0: no, I only have one left, set in setting. <laughs> Um, my last good is um, there's a scene where Kate is taking a bath and experiences sleep paralysis and she sees Mara on the other side of the shower curtain mm-hmm. of her tub and um, I just thought that was a cool shot because we've actually used like a mm-hmm. not not to the same effect but we've used shower curtains before and stuff that we've shot and um, it's a which this was a five million. Dollar budget film. It wasn't like they were hurting for money, but it's a neat reminder that you can pull off some really cool stuff with like really cheap shit. Like you don't necessarily have to buy the biggest, best stuff. Like literally, just a
1: you can spend two dollars yeah, at Walmart buy this a curtain, shower and curtain you can create and create that same thing that Hitchcock did in Psycho, mm-hmm. create this threatening image. Yeah, this cloudy,
0: away. mysterious silhouette like advancing on you, and it makes mara seem all that more ethereal like she doesn't seem like a tangible body that's a fuck of a word
1: <laughs> and um Are you like, gonna fuck up minefield and then get that word <laughs> i've eaten since then <laughs> so
0: i've had lunch so i'm good <laughs> i don't get hangry i get stupid <laughs>
1: i should get some chocolate and <laughs> But,
0: uh, like None when- of the
1: chocolate in the world. But, okay,
0: go ahead. <laughs> like whenever we used a shower curtain, um, which it, it makes a difference what kind you buy. Like the frosted ones that are more cloudy, like diffuse a little bit better because they let less light through.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, we were filming the chainsaw scene for the dolls, and I had three LEDs like at full volume, like cranking light. Uh, through this door and i wanted it to look like really blown out and diffused so we hung like a frosted shower curtain in front of all three of them and there's this really cool shot um which isn't part of the movie we were just testing the light of like brett standing in the doorway and it looks like he's literally walking off of a spaceship or something (laughs) so like with cheap it's still
1: like almost i think it's two or three of my social media profile pics Mm -hmm. is just that picture you can like see the rim of my glasses Mm -hmm. and the rest of it's just a police silhouette it's like welcome to the world motherfucker.
0: but yeah i liked that because then you
1: did a reverse on that picture so you can see my face and the lights are still back there i can't remember what it is the one where i'm putting my glove on
0: uh yeah like I, i changed the um uh what did i change but it may have been the aperture. I don't remember. I changed something so you could see more of the light. But um, yeah, like I just again, I thought that was neat because cheap shitty shower curtain you can pull well, off a only really cool effect. Why brought
1: up the contrast was because we were capable of making two different types of mm-hmm. pictures. You know. Yeah, have,
0: and one you're just a silhouette, and the other one you can see you.
1: Um, what other like? I know we did the clothesline thing with the dolls. The clothesline was a whole situation i don't know <laughs> if it's been discussed on a released episode but
0: i think we may have once
1: like yeah. what other like cheap solutions can you think of like right off the bat
0: uh this has nothing to do with anything you and i have ever worked on yeah, before no, but uh,
1: <laughs> i like have a picture things that don't either,
0: so. <laughs> i have a picture of it on my social media um before i bought the shoulder rig that I use now, um, which has a follow focus attached to it. Um, uh, we, or I, we were shooting a, a film for one of my classes yeah. and I went out and bought this little like two or $3 rubber can opener or jar mm-hmm. opener. It, it's like this thing you literally like fit onto the jar lid and you tighten it down and it makes twisting the jar open easier. And I like could one of those
1: plastic, like almost like an oil filter.
0: Like, the like an oil wrench, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, but this thing's rubber. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. Um, I couldn't afford a follow focus at the time. <laughs> and um, yeah, we were. it was like my first film class that I had and we needed to, you know, like the rack focus I have of Stevie mm-hmm. where we're on the back of Stevie's head and then we see the caution tape. Like we were trying to pull off that effect of rack focusing. And it's much easier to do if you have a follow focus because you're like, oh, I just need to go from here to here versus trying to crank it with your hand and yeah. judge the distance you need to uh, change from. So yeah, I bought a, a super cheap, shitty <laughs> jar opener and that was our follow focus on so that you shoot. just. Like
1: hook that up to the lens and yeah. you just like what?
0: you fit it to the lens and then crank it.
1: That's brilliant. <laughs> that was my any, idea. Yeah. You don't get like any of the stop of trying to twist with your fingers. Yeah, because yeah, that's that smooth.
0: That's literally just, Kudos to you for knowing that. That's literally Fuck the yeah. point of that. Oh, like I if didn't you... know
1: that, but like I can see the train of thought. <laughs> yeah, having, if you do it with your it hand, really it's much more iPhone.
0: jerky. And if yeah. you just have a handle that you twist up, it's a smooth motion. So that's the point of a follow focus. You just twist the mm-hmm. handle. Uh, but yeah, that was my my idea on the fly of a solution. I was like, they make jar openers. And it's <laughs> the shitty version of the equivalent. <laughs> so if you can't afford a follow focus, I found that at like TJ Maxx, I think.
1: And yeah, Good luck. Oh, there you go. <laughs> See, we're learning things. We're about to learn a whole shitload of things because I'm so angry at this film <laughs> that I only picked out five bads. You picked out five bads. Mm-hmm. We briefly discussed them, but we did them both opposite each other. Mm-hmm. And they're designed so that we can have some sort of positive lesson to come out of how pissed off I'm about to get.
0: Yeah, we've decided we're going to start trying to make these into lessons instead yeah. of just angry rants.
1: Lessons is a... It, it, I don't know if it's the right word, you know, but... Um, <laughs> productive. If I have to watch this <laughs> horse shit, I'm going to walk away. You're going to learn some say, shit. <laughs> yeah, no. The, the, the Teaching clown stuff was... The, fun uh, it was awesome and so we're gonna go into the bads um but for people that have been around for the past 20 some odd episodes we're not gonna try from here on out to just wreck a film we're gonna try to walk away with at least like two or three things that, as a filmmaker and a writer um we can we can walk away and say that we did work instead of get drunk watching <laughs> a film and then get drunk talking about the film. Uh, so we're gonna learn things like how you can use a can opener
0: <laughs> as a follow foot to this.
1: manipulate your camera. Yeah, no, I, that's a brilliant move. I I would have gone oil wrench just because <laughs> I didn't know that they made the same thing for jars. But the jar opener is probably a lot cheaper than the. Well, I think I. Thing at I think stuff.
0: I settled on that. Yeah, the jar opener was only a couple of bucks. I think I settled on that because they said the rubber didn't scratch up yeah. the lens. So I was like, oh, it's gentle on the lens, and it's my. Can't afford better version for now. <laughs> I actually made a joke about that. Whenever I bought my shoulder rig, I posted a picture of my shoulder rig on social media, and I was like, I guess I can retire the jar opener now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you got to make those kind of adjustments when you're making a film Mm -hmm. you have to be able to adapt because you're going to want to do things that you just can't pull off yeah we had to figure out how to make heroin not literal heroin that was interesting one of our shots and we had to figure out how to inject the needle into a thin pad of prosthetic um God, no, we, 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 we've we overcome a lot of big obstacles. Bought yeah. a door, put in a door, filmed it in a garage, pretended it was the <laughs> fucking bedroom.
0: <laughs> Which that would not have happened if you hadn't taken care of all of that. Oh yeah, my God, I would have died if I A had... huge <laughs> part of
1: what both of us do is that, you know, adjust, overcome, you know. I'm going to grab a refill. Okay. I'm going to give this a tippity-tap. Or you can keep talking. It's your deal. I'll
0: wait till you come back. Do what? I'll wait till you come back. Alright, so we're gonna move on to the bats. This oh. is the section where oh. Brett gets to rant away and I'm gonna read some shit to I you. I
1: am hardcore giving you the first uh, bad.
0: Um...
1: Uh, do not. I'm gonna start small. First bat. I'm gonna start small. To
0: uh... The, the female characters in particular have the same hairstyle maybe it just seemed like the movie lasted for days but it felt like for fucking days like Kate's got this weird almost Laura Croft-esque braid and then Helena has been locked up and she has the same perfectly styled locks. She's in a
1: mental asylum not allowing herself to fall asleep out of fear of death of Mara.
0: But that hair is always washed and always and it's styled. It's
1: washed and straightened. And Somebody's and given that bitch a curling iron. I <laughs>
0: Kate, I, I'm assuming goes to bed and just wakes up with still perfectly braided hair because I swear there were Days in between this yeah, hairstyle. It
1: looks like it's pinned to the back of her car. Yeah, it,
0: it looked like there's like a wire going down the back yeah. of it
1: almost. Is that like, a thing that people do? I'm not a woman, I don't and know. I'm bald as a dude, so I, I don't know.
0: But it, it seemed weirdly Laura Croft esque. I don't know yeah. if that was intentional, but it it was weird. It was noticeable. Like, like
1: she's a Bond girl. You're going to go with like a hard braid in the back of the. Like thank god they didn't sexualize her. They didn't do any of that in this movie. Um
0: she goes to bed with perfe- perfectly styled hair, wakes up with makeup on like they they constantly look like they've literally just been living their life for yeah, days at a time. They don't
1: feel people, you know. Yeah. This is not my bad, but I'll I'll give it space um, one of the first things we noticed right off the bat is this movie looks like it was filmed for CSI like this mm-hmm. whole thing is like this is a cheap TV set
0: and I forgot to write that down too actually there are transitions that feel like they should be commercial commercial breaks. Breaks, yeah which it's... is
1: why we kept standing up and going outside it's like okay we'll see again like see
0: cuts to this like black for way too long and then jumps into the next scene and it felt like oh there should have been a commercial there. <laughs> Like, it's it's filmed very much like it should have been a TV show. It's weird.
1: It is. We, we've not even touched the weird. What's your <laughs> second bad? Because I've added a bad, and now I've got some bads to um, go into.
0: There doesn't feel like any... Look, at you over there, Mr. Muscles. <laughs> there doesn't feel like there's any connection between any of the characters. Like, I don't feel any depth to kate like i don't feel any real connection between helena and sophie even though they're mother and child like grandpa who is i'm assuming now sophie's guardian is a passing character like it doesn't feel like any of these people have any depth or connection to each other
1: a lot of them as i have on my list they exist simply to move the plot along you never see takashi
0: Never. I don't know if there was an actor cast found for
1: Takashi, nobody talks about Takashi. Not the six, nine variety. That guy's in jail. <laughs> but I have a list here. It's Takashi, Saul, which is the guy who burns himself to death. Uh, all the members of the support group. Grandpa, whose credit is Grandpa. Yeah, they didn't, so they didn't give his character a name. And even Helena, the mother, are never built. They're only used to progress this plot, which is not very well done in the first place. That's my <coughs> go on the table. I need to go to the <coughs> in the morning. <coughs> yeah, no, they just solely exist to push forward a thing that I didn't like from the get go. Yeah,
0: they're very <laughs> shallow characters. <coughs> Ah, oh, sorry.
1: Got like life? a tickle in my throat. Choking <coughs> to death. Yeah. I'm spit. <laughs>
0: <coughs> I just have this weird like tickle like right here. Sorry.
1: Mistakes for me. <laughs> this this is a choppy ass episode. Yeah.
0: Well, I can edit out, the choppy <laughs> shit and make it smooth, cause that's what I do, bitches. Ugh. <laughs> you got another? Or you want me to go? No,
1: I've got mine. I'm going. I'm going. Ramp doing us my, up. Do my deep breaths. Trying to get myself around here. Okay. I'm not a fucking idiot. That's my problem with this movie. <laughs> oh,
0: no.
1: I'm not a fucking idiot. I've spent my entire life reading about criminal psychology up until, like, the age of 17. I thought that's what I was doing my entire goddamn life. The first time I went to school, it was to be a fucking criminal psychologist. I cut that shit out. Went and got a job as a fucking police officer. Oh, boy. <laughs> and this psychologist... Gives absolutely no fucks about the law. <laughs> she is surprisingly blown away by basic shit. Like she's hired by the homicide department. Can't handle a dead body. It's like your whole job is dead bodies. You're like. Looking at the dead bodies and going, the way he stabbed her in the stomach implies that he wanted to impregnate her and now like we have to go on the No, you fucked it all up. You fucked it all up from the get-go. She could have told that little girl right off the fucking bat he, She could have gone. Hey, Sophie not your fault. Mara doesn't exist the movies over if she was good at her job None of this shit would have gone down. She walks into a fucking mental hospital clear security Opens the door. That's what the guard does. She breaks into people's houses under the pretense of being a police officer. Breaks into her own police chief's office. She's a shrink. She's a homicide shrink. She can't handle dead people. She doesn't know how to deal with the traumatized child to the point where when the child and the mother are being ripped apart by the people who work in the fucking hospital. Mm-hmm. She doesn't go, how about we calmly move the mother out of the room or calmly move the child out of the room before literally traumatizing this child 15 more degrees. And
0: I actually work in a hospital, so I And I've find... actually
1: been a cop! And You don't do that shit! Like, like I, I, find... I wouldn't do that on a domestic. I wouldn't arrest... The husband right in front of the kid. I'd be like, Mm. put your kid in the next room. I'm linking data.
0: (laughs) I find it interesting because she's the doctor who writes the order to have Helena committed. So she is the person in charge of that case. And um, the orderly, who would be the equivalent of a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Who definitely is below the doctor and asks the doctor, you know, like, hey, runs in,
1: tackles, what's going on, what's the plan? Woman. Yeah, <laughs> it
0: has to have the doctor's permission and. And Kate asks the orderly, like, can we can we wait? Can we not do this right now? And the orderly's like, no, I'm on a tight schedule. we got to get this bitch. And it's like, that's not how that works. Like, the nurse answers to the doctor. Yeah,
1: the nurse answers <laughs> to the doctor, and everybody in that room answers to that detective. You ain't fucking ruining my interrogation because uh, you need to get off in an hour and a half. Yeah. You can collect some fucking overtime like, pay before we completely fuck up this little girl. And then this bitch is just like, breaking locks and going into houses and calling in, like, I found a DB, and it's like, you you don't, you're not a police officer. (laughs) You can't call in a dead body in a house you broke into without serious consequences and losing your fucking license. Like, that's... Yeah,
0: and... Definitely not working with the cops yeah. anymore. And They'd the be second like, you she go. starts
1: losing, though she, the, the second she starts doubting whether or not that they, you know, like, did I do the right thing? The thing that gets her killed is the whole situation with uh, Helena and Sophie where she feels guilty for having Helena put in the mental hospital when her job is putting people in the fucking mental hospital. She is there to determine sanity for the court.
0: Like, it feels like she's on day one of the job, like This she's literally never murder? done the job
1: ever at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird. That is actually one of the negatives I wrote down to, like, Kate's character is dog your yeah.
1: shit! Like, it's what we talked about, right? Like, there is an importance to the research. Like, if you were gonna have a person be a criminal psychologist, you should know enough about criminal psychology so that you know what is legal and illegal if you know absolutely nothing else. Yeah. So that your character is not a criminal for the entire film, traumatizing people who, like, her mentality is, I'm here to help people get through trauma. She herself was traumatized as a child, like, and it's almost like,
0: literally to the level of she doesn't even know what sleep paralysis is. Like she's that.
1: You have a fucking doctorate. You were working for the police. Like I'm not a doctor,
0: and I know what that
1: is. I'm not a doctor either. I've got a BA. That's my my that's my number 1. I have 5 of these. It feel it feels like that's the one that upsets me the most, I think.
0: Somebody in passing saw a BuzzFeed article about sleep paralysis folklore and was like, that's a film idea and then yeah. did no research or after that. that
1: documentary that was on Netflix, The Nightmare yeah. That I was telling you about earlier, and like then literally watched it. And they're like, "I'm just gonna use all that information." Did
0: zero research
1: of their own. Yeah, was this written by a fucking fifteen-year-old? Like, what the fuck are you doing, dog? Uh, I put more research into flash fiction. I put more research into shit that lasts. 450 words. You spent an hour and a half trying to convince me that this Russian bitch who I don't know and you never address that she's from the fucking Ukraine. Like, you never bring that up. Ever. In the film. She's just hanging out in Savannah, Georgia with the Ukrainian accent and it never comes up.
0: Which I wouldn't have... Minded too, too much, like, while we're on that topic, because we we talked about this while we were watching the film. We couldn't decide where she was from. It was just, like, she's got an accent of some kind, but she's trying really hard to sound American. And, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger made a career doing action films that never address the fact that he has a very thick accent. So you could have ignored the fact that she had an accent entirely, but don't have her try to cover it up. Just let her talk in her natural accent. let her
1: be the weird Ukrainian chick who works in her office.
0: You could have easily been like, oh, she's a transfer and acknowledged it, or just ignored it entirely and let her talk the way she naturally talks. But it sounds so clearly like she's laying down this fake-ass American accent. That's why it
1: works in the James Bond movie. Because she is like a Russian agent.
0: Like, yeah, <laughs> but, it, but even like I said, Arnold Schwarzenegger did a lot of films in his career where they just never yeah. address that he has an accent. Get at all. in the
1: chopper, like he's like,
0: But they don't try to hide his no. accent either, so it doesn't feel so awkward. It's like, oh, we're just not going to acknowledge like, no, it. No, we're
1: just going to hire this Austrian dude, and you're going to have to acknowledge that that's the way he sounds. Yeah. So they could have done that with her, just like even if you didn't want to like. They tried to hide it, and then she came out, and she goes, "We had no money for bread," and
0: you're like, like "What the?" Fuck? Every once in a while, she sounds. Sounds a little American, and then every once in a while, it's like she drops all of her consonants out, and I'm just like, that's not how people talk here.
1: (laughs) It's like what happens to me when I drink, and I just drop all my, like, my vowels get really round,
0: and I'm like... Yeah, like, (laughs) just let her talk the way she normally talks, and it's way less awkward.
1: Fuck, what's your second pat?
0: Oh, we've gone through more than... One of mine. Um, oh, I've only yeah. got two
1: left. I've just been hitting yours left and right. <laughs> I've
0: now. only got two I left. We actually, were still talking
1: about the psychologist, I've not. Can I do one then? Yes. Yeah, have go got two left. Um, Ellis and the disappearing lab coat. <laughs>
0: doctor Ellis.
1: Uh, he was not credited <laughs> that in the credits. He was just Ellis. They didn't give a shit enough about this fake ass doctor to call him Doctor Ellis. His he was his name is Ellis, and he's wearing a lab coat. And at one point, I swear to God, he is running down a hallway and he is wearing a shirt or a sweater. And I then did, it cuts to the few in front of him. And then it cuts back and he is running in a lab coat. And I'm like, he was not wearing, was it in his pocket? Did he pull that shit out? Like, ooh, my <laughs> arms got cold. Do I need a cape for this fucking run down this hallway? What the fuck is Ellis doing with his goddamn lab coat? Like it's like that story from the Bible, a so-and-so in the rainbow-colored jacket. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. Fuck Doctor Ellis and fuck his fucking lab coat. Um, but continuity, yeah, <laughs> continuity is the thing that we can discuss as an educational topic. If you would like to do that right now.
0: Ah, uh, well, I mean, they usually have a person, um, like the script supervisor, which if you're on a bigger budget film, How that's a position. Catch that post. <laughs> If you're on a bigger I budget the film. I the shots with
1: him running in a shirt versus <laughs> him running in a lab coat. Um, and then there was that part where like, the door closed and I was like, well, there's the director, the dude holding the camera, the dude holding the boom. They're all just caught in the reflection for an entire <laughs> scene. It's like, what the fuck are you doing?
0: Yeah, if you're, if you're shooting a low-budget film, this probably, honestly, isn't a position you're going to fill just because you don't have the money to fill it, but it is a very critical position. And in uh, bigger-budget films, it's definitely a person you hire. Um, there's a thing called a script supervisor, and their entire job is to sit with a copy of the script and then a sheet that they make notes on, and they will literally, for every single shot, be like, this shot sucked. Like, there was an audio issue in this shot. The shot was amazing. Like... And their job is to literally just be like, make sure we keep track of everything humanly possible. So, yeah, there's a person whose designated job is, hey, dipshit, you weren't wearing your lab coat in that shot.
1: It's like what I do when I'm editing a story, you know, where it's like you lost, uh, for example, the project that I'm working on currently. Uh, Your bodyguard walked away from them in chapter six and disappeared and never came back. And so like, he is just walking around somewhere in the United States long after this person has gotten on a plane. And you're like, whatever happened to Pete? You know <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, Pete! You know, it's not yeah. his real name. I've not ruined the plot of this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which, it's, it's common for small errors to happen, even Game of Thrones. Oh, no,
1: and they recently had the water bottle, right?
0: Yeah, Game of Thrones, like, uh, there's a coffee cup, I think, was I in think one of the shots. I think they
1: did both. I think it was a water bottle, and the yeah. next episode was a coffee cup. So,
0: like, even I big suppose. budget projects slip yeah. shit in every once in a while. But, like, yeah, when there's something glaringly obvious, like, you should have had a person paying attention to that. <laughs> like, it makes a difference. It takes you out of... The scene as a viewer.
1: I think, like, as a writer or a director or any of the actors or actresses or people who put the money into this film that were sitting there on release night, I think any of them would have noticed it and be like, hey... I actually
0: didn't notice it. (laughs) I screamed it
1: at the TV. No,
0: you, you... Pointed it out as we were watching it, but you pointed it out after he already was wearing the lab coat. So I was like, "Oh, I missed the scene where he wasn't wearing it," so I actually didn't notice yeah, no, it. <laughs> He's just
1: running down the hallway, and then his lab coat got put on. And I was like, "You just went from like green to white like fast as shit." I didn't catch it actually, which is kind of funny. <laughs> so you've got two more. Yeah, I've got four. Go for it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into this list, but these are four stars, so these are things that, you know, if we need to, we, I'll cut I've only some got one example. that's starred. Let me check how we're doing over here on the timer, uh, and I'll figure out which ones are important. If we're good, then we're good. All right, this is going to go over for a little bit, but. The hypnotic metronome goes from an interesting way of pacing the film to if you don't stop doing that, I'm literally going to fall asleep. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Which I had the opposite uh, reaction to it. Like you, I guess, found it hypnotic. I found it because I there's probably like a technical like diagnosis for that. I find this is my metronome song. <laughs> <laughs> I find uh, repetitive sounds like if someone's just constantly like tapping away, like if people that like are reading that tap pens against the table or whatever. I find repetitive noises that don't have a point to them. Like if you and I were at the beach and you could hear the repetitive sound of the waves crashing in, like that's a, a sound that has a point. It's, please stop doing that. It's the sound of the waves crashing it against the ocean, like there's a purpose to that sound. But someone just obsessively tapping, or the metronome in this movie, I find highly irritating mm-hmm. for some reason. It grates my nerves so bad. So I didn't find it lulling at all. I was like, I'm going to chuck the remote at the TV if you don't stop. But it
1: worked for the first ten minutes. Yeah, but then it didn't. Little cat and it was like, and then she was running down the street. It was like. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it worked that blend. And yeah, then they for a while have stopped.
0: Like it was a tension builder for a while, so my brain accepted it for a little while because I was like, "There's right a point right there. to it." Yeah,
1: the and then transition into the film. Maybe bring it back later.
0: <laughs> but then there was no longer a point to it, and my brain got so angry at that cat, I wanted to smash
1: <laughs> it. <laughs> well, what you brought up earlier was it, it, the cat becomes a Chekhov's gun. Mm-hmm. It becomes this thing that doesn't develop, and you. For the first time in the history of Two Star Tuesday, rewrote a plot. (laughs) Tell us about it.
0: Uh, Yeah, I feel like, because we were talking about, while we were at the the mat this morning. um, The (laughs) matte. When you have a cool effect, (laughs) like, use it in moderation, don't overplay it. So if they had just used it in moderation as a tension builder, I would have accepted Mm. that. But they used it so excessively, this cat becomes an integral part of the story. For no reason ever. And like I feel like. They do the scene where. um, Sophie is being ripped away. From her mother. Which we both agree is nonsense. That wouldn't happen in real life that way. So instead of filming that. Just have Helena committed period. That's it. And then Kate goes to visit Helena in the hospital. Which this actually does happen in the film. Uh, And Kate.
1: Completely against regulation. but the (laughs) Yeah considering she's no longer her
0: doctor. Uh, But Kate goes and visits Helena in the hospital and tells her this whole story about how her own mother was committed. And we've already established when she was talking to the daughter at the beginning of this film that her mother never came out of the hospital. Like, her mm. mother was committed and that was that. So they have this whole sad story of Kate telling Helena about her mother. And it just felt to me like she was like, bitch, this is happening to you too. <laughs> like, you're going to get locked away forever.
1: It didn't feel... you losing your shit.
0: Yeah, it didn't feel... Like sympathetic, it didn't feel like Kate felt guilty or any of this stuff. So I feel like instead of having Kate just explaining this, you do a flashback of Kate's mother being committed. Back
1: in the Ukraine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you could establish that
1: accent as well.
0: And she During
1: World War (laughs) Two She mentions, Just completely bite off Hannibal Rising. <laughs> and she, they cannibalized his family, and that's why aww. he sounds English.
0: Well, they mention that this little cat metronome thing is the only trinket she has left of her mother. So instead of showing Sophie being ripped away from her mother, like, show, please don't do that. I will seriously beat you. <laughs> it really actually legitimately bothers me. Uh, he was tapping on the table if you couldn't hear that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't like it. My, like, it makes me so angry for some no, reason.
1: Go, Re- reach into the rage. That's my whole personality, my entire life. Go for it.
0: But, like, I feel like you do a flashback and show Kate's mother being committed and her literally be yanked out of the home. And then, like, you could do something, like, cliche. Like, the cat gets knocked off the table mm-hmm. and the cat's arm is still rocking away to this beat. And then you know, flashback to the present and, like, show Kate's guilt because the whole, uh like... Oh, what is the word? check up. No, like, whenever... Oh.
1: Flashback.
0: No. Oh, my God. I'm looking for a word that my brain is blanked motivation. on. Motivation. Yeah, the whole motivation behind Mara. Thank you. I could not think of that word. Is that she kills people who feel guilt, which I know is a thing you're going to get into in one of your negatives. But you can emphasize kate feeling guilty by like coming back and being like look you have got to help me solve this or you're gonna die here like my mother did and then the cat then becomes a symbol of kate feeling guilty that she couldn't save her mom so she grew up to be a psychologist and then failed to save helena too because helena dies and then that becomes this unbearable guilt that she can't shake and that's why mara is after her so and
1: voila, you've become a better writer than <laughs> whoever wrote this fucking movie.
0: So I, yeah, like, if you're gonna put something so prominently in your film, it better have a point.
1: Can I convince you to refill while oh. I dive into the next thing? Can you just grab me a beer and I'll, I'll pour it here in a second. Thank you. Um, but what you were talking about, this concept of guilt, You know, especially in a horror movie, if you're going to have a theme, you need to have some follow through, right? Yeah. Like the type of guilt in this movie is never made clear. Mara seems to come after everybody uh, indiscriminately. So you have a little girl who feels like she is responsible for her father's death and her mother's institutionalization. There's one big word for the hour. <laughs> um, you have the mother who feels guilty because the husband cheated on her, she which is a completely him. rational feeling. Yeah.
0: You've
1: got the psychologist who feels guilty about doing her job, right? But then you've got the... Takashi, the invisible Takashi, who we only see dead, who has poisoned 30 plus kids while his job is at while doing his job as a chef. And you've got Dougie who killed some innocent civilians as a combat veteran. Yeah. And those are wildly different levels of guilt.
0: Yeah.
1: Like you are comparing the guilt of shooting innocent civilians or poisoning children to trying to protect a child or trying to do your job. Yeah. So Mara doesn't make sense. Like if it was, once again, as earlier proposed, um, a film told from Dougie's perspective, And he kills these people in the sandbox, and it drives him mad. You have a way for that plot to play out. Is it the stress? Is it Mara? Is he making up Mara? Is
0: it PTSD?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You could tell the whole story from his perspective and tie it up with a clear bow. Is he losing his mind? because of what happened in the sandbox, is he losing his mind because he is legitimately being... I
0: think it's a little chirp-chirp.
1: Is a little chirp-chirp?
0: Yeah. We have a bird that visits that sounds like he's Rapping. scratching a record.
1: like <laughs> yeah, all day, every day. He's like, out here, getting pussy. I think that's
0: what that is.
1: little chirp-chirp makes an appearance. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's... like You have a level of understandable guilt You have an understanding of unreasonable guilt, like her job as a criminal psychologist. This isn't the first time she's had somebody put into a mental hospital. Why is she attaching so much responsibility to this one in particular?
0: Yeah.
1: And then you have Takashi and Dougie. And you're like, those are real-world things to have to
0: try to reconcile with, reconcile
1: yeah. with like it like
0: Like a mother leaving her cheating husband is a very
1: reasonable It's a fucking super reasonable thing. You shouldn't feel guilty about Mm-mm. that. He should feel guilty. He got killed. I'm for it. He cheated on his wife with destroyed his destroyed in the next room. Destroyed yeah. his family. I'm down. But the rest of these are victims that are being made to feel like suspects.
0: And it almost establishes this sense of, which they don't play it up too much so it's not too overt, but it almost establishes the sense of like you're the bad person for having this reasonable
1: response.
0: Yeah. like It's reasonable that a woman would leave her cheating husband. It's reasonable that you know, a psychologist would have a lady committed that she genuinely thought was off her rocker. Like, I mean,
1: yeah, and it's madness that drives you to kill innocent civilians. But in that situation, and after you get out of that situation, you have to question who you were in that situation, yeah, and realize that that's not who you are. Like, it's. The whole definition of post-traumatic stress.
0: Yeah.
1: For a moment, you weren't who you were. And you can't explain that to anybody else. And to have that bastard, bast- bastardized. I was going bastard-sized, so I'm happy you were Going to have breadisms <laughs> before bread-isms. the day is over. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm on my second IPA after my 40. I'm a... Uh, I'm winding Feeling myself good. out. Um, no, to have that put in the same column as forgivable attributes that can just be brushed under the table. Like you could I, I have I have weird experiences in the pawn shop. You're like, Well, by breakfast tomorrow I will have reconciled with myself. Mm-hmm. But to have a psychologist in charge of a child, the child would not be broken without the psychologist being the worst psychologist who's ever been. Neither one of them would have felt guilty because they were dealing with a fucking psychologist.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Again, I'm not a doctor, but just my personal experience, which they don't ever say how long Kate's been a doctor, but my personal experience working in a hospital is after a while, like you do... Which that's sad, you know, that's an unfortunate byproduct of that line of work. You do desensitize to some extent. So
1: she's way too sensitive.
0: Yeah. For and work. for her to have gone on and gotten her doctorate, she's probably experienced this stuff more than a couple of times. And like within my, you know, first year or two of working at the hospital, like I was like, well, that's just a normal thing that happens. And yeah, that might be unfortunate, but that's just what happens, People you know? Die. Yeah. So it's, it's weird for her to be so unprofessional about all of it.
1: But, like, if you have a theme, you have to use it. Like, yeah. you, you, you can't just throw it out there as an idea. And now everybody that feels guilty is guilty. Which is like, part, of- again, we've brought it up quite a bit. Final destination, survivor's guilt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: people die in order of their survival I was closest that is a theme that worked for what 10 movies yeah <laughs> if you have a theme do it. it shouldn't be based on theme themes should be secondary right yeah but you can't walk in with guilt and be like a child who blames herself for her parents divorce and her father's uh, eventual murder Like you can't put that in the same plane as a person who's in their 20's and loses their mind to combat fatigue like you can't those are two definite differences and I would think if you had all of eternity you'd spend less time torturing a child yeah (laughs) True. For a thing that they had no real deal control over, you know. Um,
0: what are you down to? How many do you have left?
1: I think I'm burned out. I wrote down an extra one that just covers some... But, but all my remainers are things that we've talked about. Right, well, I've got two left, if that's all right. No, um, no that's more than all right. I just didn't realize it I had all those four stars. We had a little bit of a, <laughs> a heavy conversation there.
0: Um,
1: to the Alissa Hall.
0: <laughs> never that. Go.
1: So you got two more badges. Mm-hmm. Only five. one of
0: them is what I really want to super talk about, though. Um, which they kind of go sort of hand in hand. So the timeline of this movie is really weird, like. It feels it, like days yeah. and days and days of
1: just watching it. it didn't yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that too. But like Helena dies, what felt like relatively early into the film, we didn't timestamp it or anything. But then like a whole chunk of the film passes by till we finally get to Helena's funeral, and it feels like like a week has passed between these like two instances, yeah. and it just felt like so awkwardly paced. Like we lose track of. Sophie, the little girl who becomes this very important character in the film for everything in between. Like we see her when mom gets committed and we don't see her again until the funeral and then she's the whole important mm-hmm. final factor of the film. So the pacing was just like all, all over the over place. The place yeah. and A then, lot of
1: that because of that metronome we talked about earlier, where it makes you feel like Yeah, like it weirdly instantaneous. Like we need to do it now.
0: Yeah, it weirdly ramps up the tension of the film. And when we paused it at the point where we still had 40 minutes left to go, it felt like we were at the climax of the film. And if you've ever done any kind of class of any kind or read anything at all on the internet of like pacing of they stuff, you know a the climax.
1: Plan and a five plan. Yeah,
0: the cl- the climax generally happens at like the two thirds mark. Like the resolution is the very tell in, like the last 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Like it's not the last third of the film, you know? so In a
1: horror film, the climax tends to come like 10 to 15 minutes before the end. Yeah. Because you get a very rushed resolution. like yeah. In Saw, which is another one of my constant examples of a great horror film, he hacks off his foot before you get the final reveal. But the hacking off of the foot is the climax of... Yeah, that
0: film. But, but the point is with any of this stuff, like the climax is the highest, most tense point of the whole thing.
1: Like yeah, you're building sets. up It's it sex. And then your dick Literally. needs to die <laughs> yeah. inside of the plot and slop <laughs> out of the woman.
0: Gross. Why?
1: <laughs> because I ran out of show notes. <laughs> so now I'm just talking to you and I'm
0: drunk. <laughs> but the point is, like the climax isn't the building of the tension. The yeah. climax is the most intense point of the entire thing and that happens damn near the end. Like it is not the middle of the film you build up to this moment and then you have that final resolution at the very tail end. And this film doesn't do that. It's very awkwardly paced like it feels like we're constantly at the highest point of the movie until the end. It was just like, "Oh, like that's it." Like there's no resolution or anything. It's just like, "Oh, tension, tension, tension," and then it's over. And on top of that, the pacing of the editing felt like hyper awkward for me like there was
1: like you're almost hitting on that metronome that yeah it's like we're like you're hitting in the middle of the clicks like you're not you know if you could hit it
0: on the clicks Yeah. yeah like which we've we've talked about that i think um before in a different podcast but like the editing and the camera work both were like hyper unmotivated it was like they were just doing it to do it and there was like a section where she's in the office that was, like, the worst of the whole film. She's talking to her supervisor cop guy. And um, <laughs> he's such an insignificant character. Like, he has a name. His name's McCarthy, but he's such an he's insignificant character. He's just there
1: to character. look like the dude is like, the taxes are too damn
0: high! There's, like, a section where she's, like, at the office talking to him, and for whatever reason, it's a handheld camera. that's a very unsteady shot, and it's kind of shifting with them and it's not there's no motivation behind it. it almost felt like we were watching an episode of the office and it was a documentary instead of a film and that will more than anything pull you out of the film like you cannot have unmotivated camera movements like there has to be a reason why you're doing it Mm -hmm. and the same with editing like if you have unmotivated editing it feels like we just got this weird flash of something for no reason that had no point to it whatsoever so um I'm gonna read well it's
1: much the way in film not to dive into the specifics of uh, or much the way in writing not film um, <laughs> it's uh, not to dive into what I was working on earlier today but like you can't have a character obsessed in one scene hateful in the next yeah you know,
0: like there has to be a motivation to any the of shift. these movements yeah so um or
1: you'll lose the music
0: i'm gonna read a tiny section on a book that i have that's about um editing and it's called in the blink of an eye it's by walter merch and there's a bit of controversy between uh people in the film world about whether or not this is an outdated book because it was published a long time
1: ago who's walter merch oh
0: uh, he's i don't know He's famous. I don't don't have an answer for you there. Um, But it's an older book. It was originally published in 95. So by technology standards, that's pretty outdated. But the thing that I like about this book is it's not about literal editing. There's nothing in this book about, hey, I sat down in Premiere Pro and edited. You know, so it's not... um, about the physical editing it's about like the art behind editing so even that's if that's the
1: important part you can get all academic all day but yeah
0: so even if you, know, you don't wholly say,
1: like you lose like the music of it mm-hmm. then you fucked up
0: even if you don't wholly agree with like what this book's about like there's probably stuff in here that i would uh, argue against but like the spirit of it i feel like you can learn something from okay so um Again, in the blink of an eye by Walter Merch, I have the second edition, so I have like the newer print of it. but um, he says an overreactive editor who changes shots too frequently is like a tour guide who can't stop pointing things out. So that's interesting. like you you hmm. think,
1: Like your tour guide doesn't have to point out a beach.
0: Yeah, like tour
1: guide can just tell you a story.
0: It feels like instead of naturally following, which he goes into this whole concept in the book, where if you're in real life, if I was standing here watching you and another person talking, like I naturally look between the two of you at the pace of the conversation. So as you're talking or saying something important, I look to you. But if you say something significant that I feel like the other person is going to have a reaction to, my gaze naturally shifts to the other person because I want to see what their reaction is. And you have to follow this ebb and flow of where do we naturally want to look instead of forcing your audience to look at something. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Like when I took the Ripper tour and he was like, it happened in that pub over there. And then you look at the pub, but in the back, he's telling you the story and you're still looking mm -hmm. at the pub, Yeah, you know?
0: But if he's literally going, hey, this is the pub over here, and this is the, yeah. you know, whatever building over he's here. Like, if he's, you around, yeah. He's like like it, like grabbing you by a
1: leash and saying, look at that, look yeah. at that. And it doesn't
0: feel that. natural, and that applies to films. Like, if you cut just for the sake of cutting, cutting. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the alcohol is set in somewhere little, between bar style.
0: And- I'm a little buzzed, to be honest. <laughs> if you cut just for the sake of cutting, Like, it feels unnatural because I wouldn't have looked there if I had been standing in this room. Like, I don't care what she's doing. I'm still listening to him.
1: Yeah, you can go to an art museum and there's going to be a person going, you know, this was so-and-so's work and this is where they grew up and you're looking at the work as it's being explained. You're not watching the person walking you, the curator. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. So he has... um, these six ideal standards, four reasons why you should make a cut, and he gives each of them like a... uh, This is page 18 of In the Blink of an Eye by Walter Murch. Um, He gives each of them like a degrading percentage amount as how important they are to why you should make your cuts, but it's it's a thing to keep in mind uh, if you're making cuts. Says, an ideal cut for me is the one that satisfies the following six criteria at once, and these are in order of their significance. One it is true to the emotion of the moment. Two, it advances the story. Three, it occurs at a moment that is rhythmically interesting and quote unquote, right. And the music. Yeah. I think he does like reference music in this book, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while since I've read this. Uh, Four, it acknowledges what you might call eye trace, which is the concern with the location and movement of the audience's focus of interest within the frame. So again, that where you naturally as a person, if you were look standing like, in that room, would I'm want to look to
1: you and then I look up at the calendar and then I look out yeah. the window
0: like you it's your natural curiosity, whatever mm-hmm. grabs your attention where you want to look. Uh, five it respects planetary, the grammar of three dimensions transposed by photography to two, the questions of stage line, etc.
1: What?
0: Uh, like if you have a two dimensional space, like what? Um, like it, it has that to follow. <laughs> I've
1: not read these, so.
0: Five. It respects planetary, which is the grammar of three dimensions transposed by photography to two, the question of stage line, etc. So if. Um, This film is actually a two-dimensional space. Like, you're filming a 3D thing, but it's only two dimensions, so you have to follow the rules of what this space actually allows you to see. So, like, you have to... So, like,
1: if we're both here in the kitchen and we're editing the shot, unless there's a person coming out of that bedroom, the camera can't come out of that bedroom?
0: Well, there's a lot of rules about um, how you want to film a space. Like, there's the uh, 180-degree rule. So, at every point... If there was a line between the two of us, because Brett and yeah, I are sitting opposite left of and right, yeah,
1: you know, well, literally a line, put a, finger,
0: yeah. a line between the two of us. Oh, okay. Like Brett and I are sitting opposite the table right now. Um, if we were filming anything involving you whatsoever, there is an imaginary line running straight through the middle of this table, and every time we film something involving you, the camera cannot cross this space. Like it has to stay on this side, and vice versa. You can't swing. It can't if, it, if the line is here in the middle. It can't go through this middle line because it changes since it's filming in a two dimensional realm. It changes the way I'm looking at you. So if I'm shooting from this side, so
1: you can't do a hard cut from me to you.
0: You can, but everything
1: that's is shot this, like is like the the semicircle swing. Is that yeah, an acceptable like, way to break that barrier to like if, go from behind your head and then semicircle and behind?
0: If it's shooting head. me. It can't yeah. shoot you from That's that angle. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because okay. if if um, the camera is sitting right here, directly okay. where I'm sitting, facing you, like it looks like you're
1: looking at you,
0: looking at me. Yeah. But then if you then move the camera outside of the 180 degree angle, because of the way the camera sees so it, it you now can't looks be like
1: talking from behind the head and they cut a 45 between you and I, so like a 45. You know, like if the center of the table is a 90, like you can't just jerk it over here to keep talking to me.
0: If the change is significant enough, you have to. There's another rule about that entirely. You have to make a significant enough change so it doesn't look like a jump cut. But the point is. We'll
1: clarify (laughs) this rule on Friday.
0: (laughs) The point is okay, let's say.
1: Uh, I need no we'll move on to three because I am very far You six we're on six you're on the sixth rule already (laughs) yeah are you sure I thought you did one and then two no there's
0: six we're on five we just did five you're
1: a bad out loud reader (laughs) (laughs) just
0: google the 180 degree rule there's a reason like if you jump the line it then reverses the angle so Brett would go
1: explain it to me when we (laughs) record on Sunday and But the
0: point is, Brett would go from looking right to left on screen, because it's a two-dimensional space. Like, bam, bam? Yeah. Like,
1: right cheek, left cheek? Yeah. Okay.
0: If you break the line, it looks like you're now looking in an entirely opposite direction. But anyway, okay. Which, rule six is kind of relevant to rule five. Uh, Rule six, it respects the three-dimensional continuity of the actual space where people are in the room in relation to one each To one another. Sorry.
1: Okay. Don't hit me with it that quick. Slow
0: down. I'm sorry. You've got me like flustered trying to explain this. I thought we were on
1: rule two. You flew through the list.
0: (laughs) Well, until we got to rule five, it was less technical. The first four are more emotional. Uh, Rule six, again, it respects the three dimensional continuity of the actual space where people are in the room to relation or in relation to one another. So, um, Again, like, film is a two-dimensional medium, regardless of the fact that you're filming three-dimensional, so you have to respect, if you don't follow the rules, your continuity, because we talked about that earlier, it doesn't match up if I shot all of my shots to your left side, it looks like you're looking screen right. And if I then jump to shooting everything from the right side, you're suddenly looking screen left.
1: So so it it looks like I'm looking at either the microwave or the couch. Yeah, it
0: looks like you went from talking to me this direction to in the next scene, you're talking to me this direction. So it looks like for no reason at all, your whole body is turned.
1: Yeah. It looks like I'm sitting in your seat. Yeah. Okay. So
0: that's why that's important to follow those rules. And we actually broke that rule when we were filming the dolls. There's a scene where the two girls are kind of hunkered on the other side of the bed before they go in the closet and we shot everything from one side of the 180 degree line so it looks like both girls are looking to the left if I'm remembering right so it doesn't look like they're talking to each other it looks like they're both looking left but we established prior to shooting that so- shot oh my god <laughs> we established prior to shooting that shot what the scene was like you saw the whole room and you saw them both jump behind the bed so it wasn't as like shocking but In an ideal world, if we had had more room, we would have shot from both sides of the line. So
1: we should do. What? Follow his advice, because it's damn good advice. (laughs) But I think that we should try to violate his one. I want you to explain it to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll settle this on Mike on Friday.
0: When we're more sober, hopefully.
1: Yeah, and I can wrap my head around the 180-degree mark and put it into audio format for people who've never tried to do it. Um and I think we violate that. I well, think we use upsetting angles to break the pace.
0: I um, Fuck you up. I don't know if they're... 180 degree rule, isn't it? But I actually own a book that tells you what all the rules are and why you should break them. So I actually own a book about that very thing that's like, hey, this is what the traditional rule is, but if you break it, you get this yeah. effect.
1: Well, it's my whole thing with like writing, you know, like that's a rule you learn is learn all the rules and then go. Those rules up, but with like motivation, out your signature because this is the academic way that you write or shoot a film, and then this is your signature style,
0: you know. But yeah, I, I will argue that point that it should be with a motivation, you don't just now, break them the just to break them because then you look sloppy. If no. you have a motivation, it looks intentional. But your
1: signature is built off which rules you choose to mm-hmm. break, and your signature can be cool or it can be bad. This was a bad movie. And that's my segue <laughs> out of this conversation with the beautiful, the effervescent, the one with the white teeth, Kristen Pennington.
0: <laughs> oh, we got to do our social media.
1: I know, but let me let me log on here and we can edit this out. And Bazinga, there we go. I don't know why I say Bazinga. I've never watched that show in my entire fucking life. So you can find us on... MySpace! No, you can't. Don't
0: have one. You can't. So sorry. Facebook? That would be facebook.com slash nightmareboxproductions.
1: And Instagram?
0: At nightmareboxproductions.
1: Maybe you could waltz on over there to that Twitter and find us out. at nightmareboxpro. And uh, if you were looking for a copy of the book, you'd find a really cool, like, little PayPal link that you could, like, give me your address, and I'd sign the book, and I'd send it to you for, like, $10. And and you could do that on...
0: Uh, TheNightmareBox.blog
1: And stay tuned, team, because uh, we're going to have an interview in a good little while. And there might even be a whole other show.
0: <laughs> and if you, you have. You
1: be so fucking excited about. that you don't know what it is.
0: And I know what it is. <laughs> if you have any questions you want to send us or any uh, tips, advice, concerns, things you want to see, whatever the yeah. fuck you want to talk about, you can email us at... Nightmareboxproductions@gmail.
1: at gmail yeah send us some emails tell us what you think about these movies if you want us to revisit one let us know if you have a thing that you've noticed in film or in plot and you want us to look out for them in the future if you want to sit here behind a laptop that I own and just sit in on the conversation pulling shit up <laughs> for no pay you can for absolutely no pay. Nobody's making any fucking money. <laughs> All right. Well, I love you. I love you. And I love you guys. Oh shit. No. <laughs> and we'll see you on Friday.